update on this on where we're at, and then we'll go into that exercise. But we're ready whenever you are. I'm ready. We'll call the meeting. What we're doing? Turn over to Kyle. Have to give a speech first or something. All right, I can start with that, that hybrid instruction. Sure. Uh, thank you, everyone, for attending our uh, LDC update steering committee meeting. Um, before we begin, because this is a hybrid meeting, I just have a few um, housekeeping items to go over. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and on cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this meeting is disabled, and all chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. Uh, this allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video on. And if you have any trouble with that, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. Finally, the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. So with that, I'll turn the meeting over back over to the chair. Thank you so much. And I think Elizabeth is going to give us the kickoff, some updates, and then we'll move into our, our project for the day. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Thank you. Okay. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining um, the steering committee meeting tonight, this evening, this afternoon. I um, wanted to give you a few updates. We, um, we wanted to let you know that we are just about done um, drafting module one, the zone districts and uses, and we'll be handing that off to staff to take a look at and give us their thoughts. Um, we'll give them a few weeks to do that. Um, we will make their revisions and turn the draft around to you guys um, by sometime in mid to late April. Um, I think that there may be um, some people joining the meeting tonight that thought we would be going through that module, um, but we are instead um, doing a dry run of a community outreach activity. And so we encourage everyone that wants to be included in the um, discussion about zone districts and uses to rejoin us for the April steering committee meeting when we'll be talking about that. So um, that's the schedule update. I um, wanted to, we have in the agenda, we wanted to see if anyone has any additional topics um, that the committee needs to discuss before we jump in uh, to um, sort of gauging the activity that we're looking at tonight. And a quick question. So um, as staff is going through and reviewing the first draft of part one, is there going to be uh, track changes, comments, you know, kind of a register of stuff that staff had looked at so the committee can also see what that kind of looks like? So we don't typically track changes between our draft and the staff draft um, because the point of that is to make sure that we um, have not made egregious errors or not heading the code off in the wrong direction. Um, typically, we don't have um, a ton of disagreements between the consultant and staff, so you won't be missing anything in there. We start redlining once we get that, um, or tracking changes once we get that first version out. And so we'll share a version with you guys and a version with the community, and then that will be the set baseline for future discussions, and we'll show tracked changes on top of that. Okay, so just so I'm clear, so if staff does make any changes between what you submit to them and then what you submit to us, we're not going to see them? No. 
So I guess my concern is uh, from a transparency standpoint, you mentioned if the, if for some reason you may guess the wrong direction, um, that was one of the examples that was listed. Since we are the steering committee, direction and steering seems kind of tightly related. So I would be interested to see if there's any direction that is changing sort of without the steering committee's knowledge. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's just, it'd be nice to kind of know, right? And if I'm talking too loud, I don't know how much I need to project, by the way. <laughs> right. so I, I think it's just it's an extra level of complexity that we don't need to introduce at this point in the project. Um, you guys will see it as a clean slate and you can steer it in whatever direction um, that the committee thinks we need to go to. Yeah, my my theory is is that we're going to be steering it, so <laughs> steer away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it just kind of seems odd that there's a whole set of revisions that we're not ever going to see that, I mean, you know, if it's stuff that is of a subjective nature, I think it'd be good to run that by the steering committee. If there's something that's like factually incorrect, like we're going to get rid of R6 on it, like that doesn't exist. Okay, sure. Yeah. But if there's something that's like, we're going to, you know, strike ADUs from the ordinance entirely, which is obviously a complete hypothetical, but it'd be good to know if that never saw the light of day before we see it. Well, I can ask, I mean, Jeff, if you have big concerns with it, will you tell us at the next meeting? I mean, rather, as opposed to tracking changes, I mean, that's my yeah, concern, just track, track changes. So the last one was hard enough just to see everyone's track changes, but. Yeah, it'd be our intent to bring it for that discussion. You are the steering committee. We want you to have that direction and give us that guidance to go forward on. Yeah. Elizabeth, the same to you. If if there's big disagreements between you and the and staff, you'll help bring that to our attention so we can talk about that as we do our discussion. We will flag it. We um we will um, note it to you in the transmittal memo and in a footnote. How about that? Sounds good. That's very good. Thanks a lot. Sorry, as a consultant who often gets extra work from his clients, I I usually. <laughs> So very hesitantly towards that, but I do feel like it would be very instructive for us to see that. So thank you. Hello, comments or questions before we head to the meeting in the box? Elizabeth, you going to kick that off and give us the background of this? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, so um, it, while we're getting ready to steer the code, um, we have put together this um, community character meeting in a box. And um, so that the intent of a meeting in a box is that um, members of the community, either as individuals or groups, um, can do this activity to provide us um, some information or some guidance um, about how different parts of Lawrence see themselves. And what we're trying to get at with this activity is to figure out um, if we're tailoring some aspects of the regulations, if that's the zone districts, if it's the uses, if it's the design standards, we wanna know what um, different parts of the city prioritize. And then we wanna see if we can find any patterns across that. Our goal is not to draft a mini set of regulations for each neighborhood but it is to see um, if there are um, similar trends and priorities across um, different swaths of the city. Um, and if we you know, see some aspect as consistently important um, to make sure that we're reflecting that in the regulations. So we could take um, street trees as an idea of that. 
Um, some neighborhoods love street trees. Some neighborhoods don't are you know really neutral about them. Some don't care for them, um, and so we've we've put a series of concepts and ideas in here um, to gather that feedback about. We will allow um, anyone who's interested in doing it to either um, download it um, from the website or get a hard copy from the city, or we will also um, post an interactive version on the website. So if we have um, people who want to do it individually, they're invited to do it. You don't have to do it in a group. We're trying to make it um, as kind of universally available as we can. Um, and so what we're asking you guys to do tonight is to um, go through the packet um, and take a look at it, read the instructions, um, do the activity um, for the neighborhood that you live in. I think that's where we ended up. And then we're looking for um, a couple things from you. We're looking for comments about where something in the package um, you think could be clarified or could be explained differently. So like that meta analysis of it before it goes public, um, it makes more sense to us in this way. Um, and then we're also looking to see how um, you might have responded to stuff. And if you have, um, you know, responses that you want to share with us so we can make sure that the answers coming in are going to line up with the questions that we've put out there. So this is the first time um, that we as Clarion have um, done this activity. And so that's part of the reason why we're trying to do this dry run with you. We wanna see um, sort of what input we get before we put it out there um, and catch any um, errors that might, you know, um, cause people to, you know, not participate the way that we think that they could participate. So, so that's it. There, there are no right and wrong answers on your part. What we're really looking for is your feedback um, or your response to the instructions, um, to the characteristics and qualities. Um, we do want to have a conversation about a few follow-up questions that are identified in um, the agenda for this evening. So what instructions were unclear, what questions were unclear. Um, we are struggling on our end narrow individual name pull out um some sort of across the um and then other questions or is there that would be helpful a glossary describe everything but if you found information to say something It might be the internet in the building too. <laughs> okay, how's that? Continue. We got most of what you said. So. Okay. Okay. So, and then finally, we want to know if there was anything else that information that you wanted to provide that we didn't ask for. We are trying to keep this to about an hour. Um, that may be wishful thinking. So that's the other thing we want to look at. Is there anything we want to take out? Um, but apart from that, I think um, our chairperson is going to moderate issues of what are we doing and what aren't we doing. Um, and Gabby and Brody and 
uh, Becky and Jeff and Kyle and I, and I can't see who else is there, um, can answer specific questions. Um, but otherwise, you know, kind of uh, do it, critique away, let us know what you think. Um, if you have thoughts about any groups um, or individuals that we should reach out to to start sharing this when it's ready to go, um, this is part of inviting the community into the project. Questions, comments? I see you're reading. I think that's, that's good. We, uh, we had used the media in the box sort of idea with the strategic plan and had a lot of success with it and taking it to small groups and neighborhood groups and, you know, um, rotary groups and BEO groups and book clubs and all of that, which so we're trying to get this idea out there to get some sense from the community. Um, and again, so this is all new um, on that end, but so one, start taking a look at that um, so we can give some feedback. Um, what I'm going to do is, you know, we'll have each of us kind of you know, ask the question and, and maybe two or three people can answer the question from their neighborhood point of view. I mean, typically, maybe when this is done, it could be a neighborhood group, so they're only thinking about the neighborhood, but it could be a book club who each are answering it from their own um, point of view and filling out the document, but having a discussion about that. But again, as Elizabeth said, we want to make sure the questions are getting the answers getting the types of responses we want, but the answers are clear, that sort of thing. So we won't all have to answer each one of these questions. Um, and certainly for time's sake, we won't do that. But um, and then at the end of that, we'll come back and then we'll have a discussion. Hey, you know, with these characteristics and qualities, are they like, are, are we missing any? Are they good? And then um, all the questions get into the areas we want. So. That sound right, Elizabeth? Sounds wonderful. Should okay. we time it? Or do you guys want to just go, because we're going to kind of do some back and forth, do we want to just take the meeting to do what we need to do? Yeah, I don't know if we need to time it, because uh, we'll probably do it a little differently than you would do it, actually. But I guess, you know, I would start with number one. I mean, as people look at that, one, do you all recognize your neighborhood? Well, are we missing neighborhoods? Yes. <laughs> I think this is the best you can do given the, the uh, city database on what it's yeah. self-identify. I don't know how any more details. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you've got, you're missing Southern Parkway on the list. You might want to expand the size of the map because there are quite a few neighborhoods that don't have their names on the map. Well, Southern Parkway is on the list. But, huh? Southern Parkway is on this list. So it's on that list, but not on the map. Oh, I see. Yeah, it is. You look at the map. No, right next to people that don't know where they actually are. They're above Meadows Place on the lower. Yeah, it's there. The yellow box on the top, but we need to move the label into it. I would just suggest expand the size of the map. Yeah. Just so you because there are a lot of people that don't actually know they're in a neighborhood association until they see a map. <laughs> And just get the name on it. Would it be interesting to have an additional option say, I don't know? That's on there. Yeah. Well, I have rather not say. I don't, but I don't know is different. That's a good yeah, too. One is privacy, one's ignorance, right? <laughs> oh, <so>. Yeah. <laughs> People always like to say that. Yeah. Brad, how does this relate to uh, regional development? There could be students and I'm not sure that it does, but we can ask that to Elizabeth. 
So, so this is actually addressing just one component of our development code. I'm curious about how this is going to infiltrate on new annexed areas. How will this impact new annexed areas? It's like, as are we asking them to be included um, in doing this exercise, or how well, I, will standards when we draft them apply? How the draft will apply. I mean, how will the information that we we populate from this this exercise apply to? Newly annexed areas. I mean, what what pieces of the code that you know, well, the information that comes from this. I, I'm looking for I, actually. I'm just looking for relevance. Okay, so this is this is uh, is is this um, an exercise that's going to help us with infill development in these in in various neighborhoods throughout the farm. And is it has nothing to do with when we're annexing uh, new pieces of ground in, in Lawrence? No, it should. If we did it right, it should apply um, in in town. It should apply um, to infill. It should apply to infill suburban to the extent that that's a thing. And it should um, apply to annexation once it's in its final zone district. So when we um, set the standards, let's say that we decide that there are um, a series of, you know, connectivity standards or um, lighting standards that are um, more new development or, you know, new um, rural to urban transition development in nature. That's part of what we're trying to pull out of this. Um, so if we, you know, if we stick with lighting as, as um, our standard, do we have um, lighting that's applicable in, you know, um, areas that are, you know, more dense and um, more closely developed and different lighting standards for areas that might be more sparsely developed? And that might be what happens in annexation, or it might get rezoned to something that is more suburban or more urban, and then the standards would apply that way as it built out. Does that help answer the question? Um. Sort of. So, so the, the 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 people identified here is West Lawrence, and their answers and their responses and how that is applied to that kind of development then would naturally be applied to if we ever jump the traffic way on on west of there, then 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 whatever we've determined from this West Lawrence eating in a box then can not necessarily get applied to the new developments on the other side. Is that a fair? If that's, if that's the development pattern that if, if, if we come up with a, you know, a West Lawrence development pattern that represents um, something that is, you know, common across the city or common enough in West Lawrence. And that's how we think development's going to go as it expands that way. Similar um, could be standards commercial development. So yeah, trying to pick up up on now development standards. 
of or link areas of zone district. So is it fair to say you're looking for commonalities between people that identify with their individual neighborhoods, what could apply citywide or what exists or what might come, as well as looking for what types of differences there are from the different characteristics in the areas. So give us a range of possibilities. That's correct. To try to get into the code. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're looking to put a range in the code. We're looking for this information to help us um, sort of suss out in the, the preliminary concepts. Um, what we're going to bring back to you guys will reflect the city, the city's um, priorities and preferences, but also best practices. Um, it won't just be what we get um, from individual neighborhoods or individual community members, but that's going to inform where we start looking uh, for best practices and, and development um, standards at a scale that will work in different ways in Lawrence. Questions on, on that? Do we want any comments on what neighborhood you live in? Um, Oriad residence is not different really from the Oriad neighborhood. It's just that there's an Oriad residence association because the Oriad landlords kicked us out. <laughs> so that's probably the same. That should be that's that should be the same. And I like the idea of having a KU district because there are kids who live in dorms. And I'd love to have people, especially if they're involved in a planning class or an architecture class, fill this out and feel like they have a neighborhood. Yeah, I'd also suggest if we add KU, we also add Haskell yeah. as part of that. So that That's great, yes. A small cluster down there, but there is a, it is a distinct area in how it's put together. Again, we'll circle around to all big picture questions, but anyone else have anything neighborhoods at the moment? Okay, so the first question is using the neighborhood and area characteristic and qualities. Use the top three or five options that you think make your neighborhood unique or your neighborhood unique or a great place to live and describe why. So I'll take a couple of volunteers. We won't all answer all of these, but a couple of people volunteer to answer that question. Who wants to go? I'll say that alleys are very important to our neighborhood. In um, and it, it. I think the title would be better. Um, if it says location of garages, parking access, alleys, to actually name that in the title because you have to kind of read to say, do you access your garage or off the alley? But um, alleys are, the neighborhoods that have alleys are very different from the neighborhoods that don't. Yeah, that was three or five though. You started now, you only gave us one. You have okay. two more. What, what do you think makes? Um, That's the, and I don't know if it's on here, the um, 
shape of the lot, that the lots in our Orient neighborhood tend to be more narrow and deep rather than um, wide and shallow. Um, and that actually is very um, important in terms of, of building patterns in our neighborhood. And then it's a little bit like building separation, the houses are closer together. And no, because it's not how close the houses are together. It's it's that it's long and thin lots. Okay. And then I would also say demographic mix, just the idea that we have students and um, people who've lived in the neighborhood for years um, sort of mixed together um, in a very interesting way. Well, that's for the Orient neighborhood. That's for the Orient neighborhood. Those who might not know. <laughs> So that's my three. Okay, thank you. Someone else answer for their neighborhood. Maybe someone lives out west or someone with what makes your neighborhood unique or great. You know, someone can answer for them differently. Uh, I'll do that. I'm not out west, but okay. uh, so I am in the Schwegler neighborhood. Okay. Um, the ones that kind of stand out to me. Um, Consistent architectural style era. There's a lot of sort of 1950s, 60s ranch sort of developments, very not entirely consistent, but pretty consistent throughout that whole neighborhood. Um, sidewalks and street trees. I don't know that street trees is really applicable because it's just a lot of older trees at this point, a lot of tree cover. Sidewalks, uh, there's a lot of the out walking or walking dog, very it's a family-friendly neighborhood. There's a lot of riding bikes and a lot of activity that way. Um, what other ones stand out? Maybe pick mix. There's a um, single family, like owner-occupied and rentals in that neighborhood. So there's a fair amount of occupants in there, uh, particularly with campus growing to the south. So I think those would be my three for Schwegler. I would one more question on that one, then we'll move to the next one. So if you want to say something about the other way, that'd be good. One more question on that one, anyone? Where do these people live? What? Where do they <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let someone. Okay, I'll let. Next question, some of you are going to have to answer. So I'll answer this one. I live in the Hilton Square. Oh, you going to do it? No, I was just going to say before we go on, do we want to pause for any comments or questions about the question itself? Um, or do we want to wait till the end? That? Yeah, right now you can throw it up. Okay. The only thing was that I noted it was it was an interesting choice of wording that it says, what do you think makes your neighborhood unique or a great place to live? Indicating that unique isn't necessarily a good thing, right? Like it can be uniquely bad too. So it, I'll be curious to see how many folks answer in that way instead, because for the most part, we've been talking about positive neighborhoods and why we like the more kind of neutral things. But it'd be interesting if somebody says, like, well, you know, it has a uniquely bad amount of traffic, for example. So I thought that's a... I don't know how many people are going to pick up on that, but it's cool that it's there. I also say that some of these are fairly narrow in the description, like 
for example, proximity shopping and other services. I live in West Lawrence, live Nicholas and, and Inverness. And I've, I love that I can go a half a mile to the north and I can go up within a very short drive of bike ride, but it doesn't fit that description. I would write that down, proximity shopping and other services, if not for the quarter mile. You've, it only counts if you can walk at limitation. There's a couple of other descriptions in there that are 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 limited and you know, to you know, word walkable. But there's other there's there's necessarily fit that now. Would we um we took out the walkability, would we just say close by? Like that it it doesn't matter. of and it, have that inside your neighborhood part of your neighborhood that's just yeah. considering that because then the um Schwegler neighborhood comment about family friendly bikes and connectivity if we pull out a um a category of of mobility and then um move away from walkability and some of the other stuff is a bicycle a vehicle? If it has, well, we if, if, if it's electric powered, it is, or can <laughs> you want to understand the character of that neighborhood, you know, it, 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 to, to try to get at things that we find to be desirable, advantageous, if it's limited in this way. Oh, no, I, I think that's right. But I'm sort of saying it says without a vehicle, and I'm going, bicycles yeah. are a really good way to get around a lot of neighborhoods and may not necessarily fit. This so going up Ninth Street probably not, um, but there's neighborhoods where a bike is a great way to get around. Would it be fair to maybe call it accessibility instead because different neighborhoods view accessibility in different ways? Like a five minute car trip is nothing, or a five minute walk is nothing, right? So both are equally accessible depending on how you. I like that what people's lifestyles are, but then we could add walkability on top of that, which is sort of what could be extracted from some of these other ones. Maybe not remove the word walkability, but add another word that, mm -hmm. that you know, both. Well, well, a neighborhood's walkable, but not necessarily walkable to shopping. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a place that is technically walkable and one that you're actually going to walk in. So that makes a difference, too. Um, I don't really know how you can say mixed use. I think that's what this one is trying to go for. Like, do you have a relatively mixed use 15 minute city kind of neighborhood, um, which I think would maybe preclude well, your suggestion of well, the cars. So. I'm trying to get at mixed use. Let's say mixed use, mm. right? Because proximity to shopping and other services is a. I feel like I have great access to shopping, but it's just it doesn't meet that narrow definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is tricky to equally apply that to across the city. Maybe they're two separate things. And are, are these characteristics and qualities that are shown on these two pages are they standard for the industry in terms of? What's utilized for these types of exercises? That's a Elizabeth question, I think. <laughs> so there's we weren't able to find um, a standard for the industry for this particular exercise. So we um, um, dove into a lot of the character, a lot of the things that are used when we are looking at character. It's more often done in the form of a visual preference survey which wasn't necessarily what we wanted to do here because we wanted the neighborhoods or areas to be self-described. 
Um, but if you look across this list of characteristics, this is typically stuff that a visual preference survey would be testing for. Um, so it is um, unique to Lawrence, but it is um, definitely um, crossing categories um, that you would use to describe character. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, again, we'll circle around to some of this in the whole picture here. Let's I think if we answer some of these other questions, it also might make us think about these characteristics and qualities a little more thoroughly and then come maybe come back and talk about those. Um, from the same list, now choose top three or five options that you think could be improved or that you would like to see in the future in your neighborhood and describe why. Who wants to answer that? Jump in there. Oh, something new to my neighborhood, so I feel like this is a bit traitorous. Oh my God. Things being Pick a different Pick a different neighborhood. Then no one knows where you live. I know where he lives. Well, I, I already live. got it. <laughs> um, Pick the Oyad neighborhood. Pick on it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, don't, I probably have the same quibbles for the yeah. all, all the neighborhoods. But um, all right, so I live in East Lawrence. East Lawrence, and they're relatively similar in terms of like when they were built and kind of how they're built out. So I think these are probably black folk. I listed building separation of some types and building setbacks. So I went the, the full wonky like zoning land use route <laughs> because I, I think the defining infrastructure was number four didn't quite make it, but decent. It's fine. <laughs> Explain each of those just a little bit more why you picked each one. Building separation, I feel like given that we're right near near downtown, which is sort of the most dense and walkable part of the city, it seems like a rather odd transition to suddenly go into mostly single family residential with like, you know, one road in between, right? Um, it seems like there would be, you know, even if we stayed completely single family residential, which it, it's not already, but, um, you know, squeezing things together a little bit is actually historically accurate. And a lot of the oldest buildings in East Lawrence are really quite close together, but the new ones aren't because they built to the modern zoning code. Listed housing types because, like I mentioned, it is relatively, you know, I mean, it is in an urban area. And I think a lot of people from Kansas will call it urban, but it's still mostly single family homes. There's a couple of odd apartments that are kind of hiding in there, a couple of duplexes. I live in co housing. So, like, there are, there is a diversity of housing, but not nearly as much as could be given the diversity of people. And then building setbacks, which is purely a dimensional thing, but it's kind of like building separation in that. We could probably squeeze things a little bit closer together. You know, we don't really need 30 foot setbacks in the historic neighborhoods, especially if people don't really want the front yard or have the capability of maintaining one. So that's them put down. I thought it was interesting that some of these could be the same as question one. If they're things that are unique and you also don't really want them to stay the same. <laughs> so good, good wording choice again. Politically speaking, here's one thing that's not on the list: neighborhood schools. So, um, I think, you know, is there a school that you feel, because there are some neighborhoods that are absolutely defined by their school and others that are not. So, I think that's probably an important one that actually has the same name as ours. That's <laughs> right. a couple. Right. Well, two. Yeah. Right. I did have a question about that. I wondered, um, I was thinking about that yesterday. If the, the 
Infrastructure category should maybe expanded to like a defining characteristic. So it could be a school, could be your park, it could be that you have the railroad tracks next to you. But we we could broaden out that particular category to capture that thing that is critical to your view of yourself. Would the school be infrastructure? Or do we need to come up with a different name? Well, it's currently defined as, I mean, it says infrastructure, but it's only transportation infrastructure in here. So that would kind of change that category. But in terms of shopping and other services, it's not currently explicitly listed, but that would make a lot of sense. And like, are you closely accessible to a school? Um, and if you feel that it defines it because it's a historic school, I think that would be covered under the historic resources section. Just, just my personal opinion on it. I think we would change the category title on defining infrastructure. So because if, if you could figure out three different ways to interpret it, we would get it interpreted three different ways. So I'd actually want to be clear and change that out from just transportation um, infrastructure to um, add in parks and schools and anything else that we think is kind of a neighborhood de defining attribute. I think what Nick was saying is maybe it's makes more sense with shopping and other services that are you by a school are you by the public library are you by a park what's the thing that you're close to you know in our neighborhood it used to be the community mercantile totally moved back up the hill but you know so what is that thing that you're living close to that um both both good and bad yeah yeah. Sounds like it's almost its own standalone category. Yeah. Like, is there a thing that your neighborhood is known for? You know? I like the defining, but instead of defining infrastructure, I, I kind of like it there. Yeah. I guess I lean towards Elizabeth. Instead of calling it a defining infrastructure, call it a defining something. I don't know what the word is. Or even like signature or something. Yeah, signature or something like that. Yeah. Because that uh, could include like the Lawrence Loop, you know. Yeah, right. it's transportation, but it is also a kind of defining feature. Yeah. It's a school, if it's a, which is a thing. I think that's, I think that's interesting. And I was going to say back to your point, Nick. You know, I live in the Hillcrest neighborhood. Now I live on the, the north side of the Hillcrest neighborhood. So our defining infrastructure is that there's only two ways in and out. There's no sidewalks, and so there's very little traffic and. Uh, which is makes us unique, but also sometimes good, except when you're trying to leave in the morning, you know, in the <laughs> in the afternoon. So I could see myself listening at both in two and three, yeah. uh, as a problem, but also a unique characteristic. Mm -hmm. Okay, anyone else want to pick up? Again, I'm thinking about this question, but you know how people might answer this. How you think your neighborhood can be improved, or what you'd like to see in the future in your neighborhood? You know, I think those are really two different things. Um, but let's it be pretty wide open. I mean, what would you like to see in your neighborhood? Doesn't necessarily mean, you know. So I like that. But anyone else want to answer that question? Big bite you did. The column people. Have I, have I, have I, have I, <laughs> I don't think so. Ever since the name was called the order. <laughs> okay, I'll go to four, and then I want to come back and 
Oh, that's the question. Why why are people having trouble? Why aren't we having more people jumping in on this? I thought it'd be easy, <laughs> but everyone would jump in. I'm curious. I'm going to come back and ask that question. Why aren't people immediately jumping in and answering this? Well, so we seem to struggle. You, well, you made a you made a comment about the difference between improved and what you'd like to see in the future. And, yeah. and honestly, as I think about this, I kind of get stuck on improved. I go across that and I go over the list and say, oh. when I think about where I what I would do differently in the future, you know, I don't, I kind of like the character of the neighborhood that I'm in. It's why I chose to live in that neighborhood. I don't have really a problem that I your answer would be right there. Yeah. Well, I've been done. What do you like about it? Um, I like uh, the the kind of both consistency and 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 how the homes are built and how everything's just a little bit different. Um, I like that we have uh, neighborhoods that are have fairly good separation between homes, um, but still uh, in, within our neighborhood we can walk and everyone knows everyone down the street. Um, it's not a dense neighborhood. I mean, it's it's big RS seven, um, but we have some of that same kind of feeling as a closer neighborhood. I love the fact that I can get on my bike, or if I feel a little bit more ambitious, I can walk four blocks that way or five blocks that way and get to just about anything that I need. So looking at these, I mean, with that answer, looking at these, did you think something was missing that you felt? There's a part of me that, you know, as a citizen in the, in the community that understands the the struggles we have when, when wanting to get at density. I mean, I, I can go that direction, but say, well, well, we could, we could uh, turn on ADUs and, and maybe enable that in our, in our neighborhood. That would be a benefit to the overall community. Um, it isn't though something that when I think about my neighborhood and what I want. I would want that because I'm a citizen of Lawrence, not because I'm a member of this neighborhood. Well, that question's five. Okay. We'll get to that question. I just wondered. You have a homeowners association? I do. There's, there's an issue right there about whether you could ever do ADUs or anything else. Yeah, but HOA covenants can change. I mean, <laughs> we're changing ours right now to, to enable things like as a matter of fact, ADU uses one of the conversations. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's, what, uh, for then, what characteristics or neighborhood area do you hope, um, of your neighborhood or area do you hope or preserve as new residential development occurs over time? School could go <laughs> um, Is this one, I mean, to me, I was thinking this is very similar to two. Mm -hmm. But I was, Elizabeth, what were you trying to get at there that was different? Maybe I jumped to the gun here. I should let someone answer. It's, it's the, the housing is the big piece of this. Um, it, it is, um, in theory, a gentle question to prompt, hey, new residential housing has to happen. Um, if it happens, what, you know, what is important that you guys want to hold on to and hopefully the answer is not new residential housing. So if there's a better way to frame this question, let's think about that. Um, but we were, we were, you know, we were wanting to see what people, if we asked people to think about new residential development, what their next few thoughts would be. Well, I think you need to lead with that, you know. Okay. 
if new residential development occurs in your neighborhood, comma, what characteristics would you hope be preserved? Would it be reasonable to expand it to just development? Because, you know, part of Plan 2040 is trying to add neighborhood commercial. Yeah. So if, if that's something that causes concern as, as well, I mean... Yeah, development, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even to a certain extent, like, very light, small-scale industrial, like an automotive shop, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. All sorts of different classes could occur depending on how we loosen it up. I think, I mean, I first read that and thought it was pretty similar, similar to two, but now I see what you're saying, that you focus on the residential. So I think you need to lead with that. Yeah. Or how do you see new residential development being added to your neighborhood? I mean, we could just... That's fine. That's actually fine, yeah. Oh. I think I would almost switch those then to say lead with with how could new residential development be accommodated and then what would you like to keep as that happens. Are we also adding the um, the inverse question about um, moving non-residential or mixed use into neighborhoods? Yes. I think we should. I could see leaving them two different questions. Or you could just say development and leave it quite open, and then each person in each neighborhood could probably interpret as they see is going to happen. Like, if you're in East Lawrence, you're probably much more likely to anticipate some small commercial. But if you're in, like... Like blanks in his neighborhood, not not likely that you're going to start seeing like a dry cleaner on your street, right? So, I mean, if as long as it's we can trust that people will interpret it in the context of their own neighborhoods, maybe the broad is good enough. Interpret it in the context of housing, quite honestly, mm-hmm. because I think most will. Well, but I think our question is how do we accommodate more housing? So I think housing has to be part of the question, and then. Um, and other defining characteristics, you would say in East Florence, we want a mixed neighborhood. We want some, you know, we want to accommodate this commercial and shopping as long as they have more than four parking spaces. Say, so, Gary, I'll put you back on the spot. How would you answer four and five? How can new residential? So I just got stuck on something that Marcy just said about, if, if I'm going to paraphrase, what, what I heard you say was the goal of this is to get at more housing. Is that the goal of this, to get at more housing? Because that's not what we're saying. We're asking to qualify, describe the characteristic of your neighborhood, not with that purpose in mind. And if if the idea is to do that, then let's get at that up front, as opposed to hoping that that we kind of get at at it quietly. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But this, I mean, I think... And number five says, how could new residential development be accommodated? I, I mean, For the I, purpose of more housing. I mean, if that's what we're really trying to get at, then let's go at it. That's fine. Well, and, and that was my, I mean, that's where I start, started with. I mean, are we talking about infill in this whole conversation? If you're saying, what can we do in my neighborhood? See the application to improve the increased density? I can come up with a whole bunch of different things. It doesn't, but it will change the character of the neighborhood. Well, I guess I, well, I see 
I mean, I could see if we create kind of an area that's like, um, you know, East Lawrence or Oya neighborhood with alleys and, you know, this, that, and the other, um, and we have those defining characteristics, and then you have some defining characteristics of Westlake, you can have a developer come in and say, I want to build a neighborhood with no driveways and with alleys, and I want that in my neighborhood. And so we can say, hey, let's use these standards over here in that new Greenfield development. Well, that was Briarwood, right? If, yeah, but, but. So then you have. So, so do we have this catalog? You know, I bring in a development and, okay, I want, you know, I want that. And I want that. And, you know, I mean, is that, is that, um, you know, I, I just, you know. I mean, I think what about, I mean, one of the concerns I think we're trying to get here and Elizabeth or Jeff can, is that we can correct me is our development code now has some rules that work really well in this neighborhood, but when you try to apply it to that neighborhood, it doesn't work very well. But again, that's that's that is infill. Yeah. But, and and but it but it also limits, I think, new developments could be, because someone yeah. comes in and says, I want to have I want, you know, three foot setbacks. Mm -hmm. code says, well in a new development you can't have three foot setbacks. You have to have five foot setbacks. Mm -hmm. But we could say, well, but if you if you're doing something with garages in the back and alleys, then hey, you have three foot setbacks. So yeah, I do think you see that. That was what I've imagined. Yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to picture application, and and I'm just you know. So if I'm if I may, based on what you're saying, is like all right. So we're asking people in existing neighborhoods, what do you like about your neighborhoods? Which I'm, I'm assuming if you could extrapolate that, I would say, what do people in Lawrence like about their part of Lawrence? And if they were to move to a further out part of Lawrence, would they still like that's you know that's probably what they'd be looking for, maybe unless they're escaping. Why would they move out there if they're still looking for that? I mean, unless they're escaping the neighborhood, right? But um, <laughs> generally speaking, I feel like you know it, it is going to be an exercise in extrapolation because obviously nobody lives in the neighborhoods that aren't built yet, so they can't really do much about it. That being said, I think what Elizabeth said early on when we were talking about the code review, code assessment, was that there is a possibility of dividing neighborhood types into things like historic. Pre-war suburbs, post-war suburbs, you know, Reagan era suburbs, stuff like that. And then, you know, having a slightly different approach to each one of those instead of being so rigid, like this is RS7, this is RS5. And then, you know, if we can see, okay, based on our survey results, the people in the historic neighborhoods like this kind of thing, the people in the 90s and 2000 suburbs like this sort of thing. So, you know, you might end up with like three different toolkits that perhaps the developer could select from as they're going out and say like, I'm feeling that the market is thinking... Briarwood, or like, I'm thinking more of a Langston Hughes neighborhood, right? And maybe that's where it, what we, the information we generate here can be used to develop those kind of, I want to say parallel codes, because they're not going to be, but different toolkits. Yeah, and, and, and I have full appreciation for that, but okay, I like neighborhoods with mature trees, but I tell you what, it's <laughs> kind of hard to do that in a new neighborhood. Yes. I, I like, I like a neighborhood full. 1950s, 1960s architecture, I could probably kind of pull that off, but not very well. Yeah. You know, um, I like the neighborhoods that are walkable. Okay, that's something that every neighborhood is going to have to have because that's pretty mandated. Or are you going to give me the option to not put any sidewalks in the neighborhood? And, and okay, I'm going to design a neighborhood that is not walkable. 
You know, but walkability is a lot more than sidewalks. You know, in you, an old you know, neighborhood. But. I'm, I'm 100% with you. You know, so so I'm just no, I, I don't want to be I don't want to rain on this parade. I mean, I'm I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, you know, in full disclosure, you know, I live in the county. <laughs> so so my neighborhood, my nearest house is a thousand feet away, and, and everybody owns cows and tractors, and 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 and, and it's really walkable, but you got to have mud boots. <laughs> Um, this is why I haven't called on you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I, I think I, I'm, I'm getting something out of this and I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I'm clearly taking it, trying to think from the application. So don't don't think I'm kind of beating it up. I'm just trying to. I think you're looking ahead, which is important. I mean, yeah. you're basically trying to tie this to what's going to come. And I think that makes sense. And I think some yeah. of these characteristics are not going to be applicable to stuff like you're saying, mature street yeah. trees. Who cares, right? Historic resources. What are you going to do? But the dimensional things, I think. If people yeah. are able to think in that way, which will be interesting to see if they can, that's what I think is going to yeah. be important. Yeah. To go back to the first comment about you know, if the goal is really to get at infill density, if that's how to how to create more housing, then maybe we set that as a context up front. You don't have to change every question, but I think it's both. I think it is both. I think it's to understand what type of you know. Like I said, in, I mean, you've seen in communities where people are trying to create a new downtown, a new, you know, they're, they're putting in, yeah. you know, they're putting in a, a street and then they're putting in townhomes and then they're putting in, you know, they're creating a neighborhood where they're trying to recreate downtowns. I mean, around the city, there are these 15 minute walkable neighborhood things, you know, um, you know, our, our codes really, you know, we have a, a, have a hard time doing that in, in, the, in the greenfield setting now. And so again, I think by creating what these, well, like not again, not parallel codes, but getting some of these things, I think gives us that flexibility, not just in infill. So I think if you say that, we've limited. So, um, but new housing isn't just infill. I mean, I, said, I think no, no, I said both. That's what I'm saying. Both. Right. I mean, I think that that what we're asking is what people want in terms of housing. But is the idea that. Lawrence wants to have more housing, and then how do we approach that? I mean, and then I think I think we need to say that up front rather than like your neighborhood. You want a school, um, like the purpose of the development code update, right? Well, we can put that in. I mean, we have a purpose statement for the development code update. It's basically in here. So while I agree with that, that that's the logic progression of what we as the steering committee and as the consultants in the city are trying to do, like, we know we, we got to get here. How are we going to get here? Let's go over some of what people like and what the objections are. I feel like from a layman's point of view, from somebody who's never cracked open the zoning code, it seems like it may be better to butter them up a little bit and say, like, what do you like? What's your favorite thing? And I feel like the brick sidewalks, like the trees. That every house looks the exact same. What's your sort of thing, right? And then getting to start thinking about well, what could be a little bit better? What are you okay with compromising on? What do you really, really hope never, never changes? And then it gets people to define up front what the character is when they inevitably will say, but it's against the character of the community because everybody thinks about that differently, right? So if you get people to be honest about their thinking up front, then maybe by question five, you're like, all right, so really what we're talking about here is housing, right? 
We've talked about what you like and what you don't like. Now that you put that on paper, let's see what, you know, kind of rubber meets the road, right? If, if we say, yeah, we are going to have to add some maybe lot splits or break some single families into du duplexes, right? Like there'll have to be some way to add in housing. But okay, now that I've seen what I care about the most, well, it turns out I didn't really care about the density of the housing. I care about the trees after all. So it might help people have sort of an honesty check. Um, like I said, if we butter them up first. But Elizabeth, that may be something more in your expertise because you've done a lot of public meetings with people who maybe don't know about sending codes. So is that the strategy? That is, that's, yeah, that's, that is, it, the strategy is that housing is an important thing we need to understand, but the other aspects of character still will play into the regulations. We can't skip the street tree and the sidewalk thing. That all matters. It matters for infill, but it also matters, um, you know, if someone wants to build a new neighborhood that is more of a, you know, traditional urban neighborhood, um, whereas before they might have wanted to do a 1980s or 90s subdivision. So we want to make sure that we have those standards in place. Um, and then actually to where we were a little bit ago, if we're going to retrofit um, commercial into existing neighborhoods, or if we're going to be able to build neighborhoods that have commercial in them, the character matters for that type of development also. It matters that we get stuff that fits. So we're thinking um, in terms of how structures go in and how neighborhoods are designed. Um, and, and we do actually, um, there's a lot of truth to, we're bringing people to this in um, more of concepts that they understand. I, I mean, I don't know that we could sit down with every neighborhood and have a detailed design discussion. I'm guessing we could in some of the neighborhoods, but we're trying to meet people where they are and let them come into this process. So we, we want to get it housing, we want to get it commercial, we want to get it street trees, we want to get it rural development, we, we kind of are being greedy, we want to get it all of it, and then sort it out and see what we hear. So what I'm hearing you guys say is between four and five, where are we going and what are we doing? And I, I'm thinking, why don't we, why don't we scratch out four? Uh, five is the more direct question. Um, and then add a question that is similar about how could new mixed use or commercial development be accommodated in your neighborhood and what characteristics need to stay. I feel like if we get rid of number four, then we're going to be missing collection of the data points of what are people going to hold on to, you know, like from a cold dead hands, right? Like, what do you hope is preserved as your neighborhood changes? What's, you know, as cities were built over millennia, change is the only thing that was constant until the advent of zoning post World War II, right? So what do people really want to cling to? So like, don't touch these, right? Um, it seems like that might be important as well for, you know, but to make sure that we're not changing. The, I think we build it into the rewritten questions. So we take five and then we add a characteristic part to it, but it leads with residential, like you guys are saying. Um, so, you know, how could new residential development be accommodated in your neighborhood? What characteristics are important to maintain? And then flip question, how could new commercial or mixed use be accommodated in your neighborhood and what characteristics are important to maintain? Do you like think that, that would there? Yep. That makes sense. I like that too. too. So if you say in a word, what's the flavor, vibe, or type description of your neighborhood? I don't think that's the place to end. I think that's the place to start. We can, yeah, we could do that. 
Give people think. Let me out. Just sort of start. What? Icebreaker. Yeah, it's an icebreaker. What's the flavor? And then you say, using the neighborhood qualities, what what did you add from that? But let me add, I think I was going to say, and I like that as question one, too. I think question two should be, in a word, what's the flavor, vibe, or type of description of the neighborhood you'd like to live in? Because we have a lot of people who are not, I mean, they're living in the neighborhood, but they're not necessarily the neighborhood they want to live in. I mean, they might want to move. Oh, okay. And so they might say, I live in a suburban single family, but I want to live in an urban electric, you know, um, eclectic. That's where I want to live. I'm not living there. Because that could give us, you know, it also could give us some insight on how they're answering these questions. Because if someone says, I live in a suburban district, I want to live in an urban district, well, then when they answer the question, what is important to preserve, it might be a different answer than someone who says, I live in a suburban district. No, I want to live in a suburban district. But what about then doing um, seven is one and then two and then have another one? What's the vibe you want to live in and how could your neighborhood be improved? Yeah. So what I hear, what I mean, the most common request I get is, do you have a house we could buy that's in close to downtown, one level living? <laughs> <laughs> Big yard. Big yard. Walkable, right? Big we have three in there all sold. Yeah. Right. There, are, there are none, hardly any of them. Right. All priced below 200000 No. <laughs> but again, one of the things I think that tells me back to the Greenfield question, I mean, if, if the overwhelming answer is that people want to live in, you know, neighborhoods, you know, that a much more urban feeling, I think that's a good thing to know. I think it's a good thing to know. Because what, yeah, what, what if we learn something out of this that is not popular right now? For, for example, um, our, our interviews are everybody wants to live on a cul-de-sac, right? And cul-de-sacs are not very popular in coming through the planning office. Right now, because they want to connect all the streets. If we're talking about what people, what the yeah. homeowners want, we're not talking here about what the city prefers about yeah. about connecting streets and about the utilities and all that other kind of stuff. But if we're talking about what the homeowners and the people in the neighborhoods want, we know that people love to live in a cul-de-sac. Right. So, how, how do you how do you how do you rectify that? Well, that's a good question. I don't. Let's see what it, see what comes out. I think that's the important thing. <laughs> Draw a line in the middle of the city, and half is cul-de-sacs, and half. Is <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would. I don't want to live on a cul-de-sac. Yeah. I think if you if you're walking or you're biking, that's the worst thing. Yeah. But some people do. Uh, that that kids, right? Live on a cul-de-sac. Right, right. But I, but I think. Yeah. I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and they play out in the cul-de-sac every day. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just, I'm just, I think there's people that want to live in cul-de-sacs and people that don't. I think some of it is that there's a, a publicly expressed want based on our, our lived experience, and that is that cul-de-sacs are safe, there's streets or not. But then there's the reality based on the rest of the world, and that is that most of the world doesn't have cul-de-sacs, they have very safe streets that are, well, at least, you know, Netherlands, Germany, France, whatever, very, very small streets where the cars don't go over 10 miles an hour because they physically cannot or there's no cars on them at all so people can play in the streets but still be able to access where they got to go so like a child can play on the streets in tokyo which believe it or not has a surprising amount of really slow streets and small 
um, walkable areas, but they're not cul-de-sacs, and somehow people still manage to play on streets. So I think because Americans, we only know that the only safe place is like your own backyard and a cul-de-sac, it's hard for people to think about what else could be safe if that's what they truly want. Is it that you want a lack of access and throughput? Well, cul-de-sac it is. But if you want your kids to play safety, that's not the only way you can get there. So I'll be curious to see what other character things we start to suss out of here and see, like, like what are people really asking for instead of just what they know already, right? I don't think we're here. We can't change American culture. Right. You know, that's no. not what we're here to do. You know. When they wanted to widen Iowa Street, this is probably 30 years ago, I thought it would be cheaper to just get everybody a ticket to New York City and have them understand that the traffic isn't really bad here. I mean, so so some of what, <laughs> what? It was fifty years ago. Was it fifty? It was okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe forty-five. Was it forty-five? Forty-five years ago, they didn't want to widen Iowa, but but so how do we give people experiences to help them realize how many different ways there are to live and what other opportunities are there? I don't think we can, but I think the point of having these characteristics being bro broken down into a relatable way, I think will get us there. And I think that's sort of the the, okay. the goal of the exercise. I don't know if there is any better way to do, to do it, honestly, like to truly drill down, like what is driving this, you know? But that, I mean, again, my vision, I, I do think eventually you could see, I mean, I, I, you know, that you could have, you know, the, like, like I said, a, a suburban housing type, and an elect, you know, an urban um, housing type and a historic housing type. And again, I think, you know, part of the challenge of that is, um, you know, it, when we're talking about Greenfield, I mean, again, do we say all of it's this or do we say, hey, you can have that if you have this too or what? You know, I, I think that's where the, you know, again, where the code goes. But I think we need to learn little bit about that. That's what I'm interested in, in learning. But yeah. I, I think we're all operating. The code has to have more flexibility in it than we have now. I mean, everybody, I think, agrees to that. No matter where you stand on any other issue, it's too rigid. So. <laughs> we go back over some of these things that we have, like building height. It says, you know, building height is vertical distance. You might like that your neighborhood has all similar building heights. The only thing I've ever heard about building heights is that people don't want to feel like somebody is looking down on their backyard. I mean, it's... Or casting a shadow over it. Okay, yeah, it's, it's either casting a shadow or I don't want somebody in an apartment... To, I don't want to go in my backyard and always feel like somebody's looking at me from... Over my privacy. Yeah, over my... Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that the building height question is asking what the, the concern is for people being mixed in terms of building heights. Well, it sounds like you interpreted that almost immediately. I'd be like, height? Okay, I don't like that particular part. I have a feeling other people might interpret it that way as well. Whereas I'd look at it more on like a wonky standpoint. I think these are a little bit open-ended and depending on your experiences and your, and your values, you may approach it a slightly different way. I think that's what the goal here is looking for what common values there are across all the areas of the city and where we have a lot of divergence in that. And 
but this focuses on a mix of heights that gives it a variety of looks. That's not what people are um, reacting to when they talk about, I mean, either. Well, but that's not the only part of this. I mean, it also says you might like that your neighborhood area has all similar building heights to contribute to a uniform look. So I think that could be answered to get into, I like that I live in an urban neighborhood that has taller buildings and more density, not necessarily saying, what you're talking about is there's a, there's a mix that is offensive in some way. Well, but I don't think it's, I don't think anybody's talking about building height about how it looks to you. I don't think it's, I like my neighborhood is because it's building heights. I think I like the feel that, you know, I, I know my neighbors and they're like me or I'm in an urban area and it's built up, but, but I don't, I'm just sort of saying is is the build is the building heights we like it or we don't like it doesn't seem to be what it looks like building. it seems like how it works or you know I mean if you're in a lot of density you like it because you're close to restaurants um well building heights been a big point of discussion when we're talking about development downtown I mean, we, there's there's a push to density, and there's a, there's obviously more building height, but there's been a lot of discussion about what is too tall for mm -hmm. downtown, or what, how how far do we want to take building height? So, I mean, I think it's a relevant consideration. It's not going to apply to every neighborhood. I mean, how I interpreted building heights as it comes to character of neighborhoods. For example, if you're in the older Prairie Meadows neighborhood, and they're all ranchers. Mm -hmm. And somebody did a teardown and came back in and put a, a great big two and a half story, you know, uh, West Lawrence type house in there. That really would be out of character, that whole neighborhood, where every all the rest of the houses are, are not even close to that. So um, do you want to protect from that or not? I don't know, but but I would interpret that as being a partially a height, height issue. If you're on 18th in Tennessee and you tear down a single house and you put up a two-story building, two-story condo sort of looking thing, you like that. Three stories, you like that, but you're not working. Yeah. And that's where character of the neighborhood, I mean, how do you use the character of the neighborhood to... I think the other thing, I mean, Elizabeth mentioned this earlier, I think lots of times you see these, these are, they're asking you to click through pictures. Do you like this or do you like that? Part of that here, I agree with you mostly. It's a little harder to think people will use it too much on the pencil and paper, but if they do, I think you'll be telling. I mean, what might be telling is its absence of wealth. If it turns out people don't really care that much, that could be an interesting data point too. Sure. You know, if it's if it's all about density but not really height, like I don't really care. And it's, until it's proposed next to them, <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah, I love apartment buildings so there. <laughs> Yeah. For a second, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. From our perspective, we also hear it as a proxy uh, for fear of change, um, and so we'll have we'll have people say, "Well, we can't put we can't put X Y Z thing there because the building's going to be too tall." Um, and so sometimes it means that they can't articulate what it is they don't like about X Y Z thing, um, but it comes in the form of height. And so that's one of the reasons we test for that. So there's a, there's a lot hidden in this particular um, question here. And I, I'm curious to see what's going to come through on it. So why don't you ask the question, um, what height would be too tall? 
what height in your neighborhood would be too tall? Instead of, do you like a variety of heights or a single height? It's, I think the question is, how, how tall is too tall? And, and, you know, it used to be just the height was on the, on the basis of you didn't have to have an elevator, you know, and, how, and the building code and Still is, yeah. fire code. Yeah. But, but again, we're not asking the question if you like height. We're asking what three characteristics do you like the most and the three characteristics you like the least. It'll be interesting to see what should change. It'll be interesting to see if anyone selects that or how they select that. And as I mean, as question four is currently written, what do you hope is preserved as new residential development? It sounds like height would be a top hot button issue for a lot of people. So like that's the kind of data that would be collected in the current question four, which will, it's going to be changed. But. I think somebody would say, I like my, I guess, a rancher. I'd have to be surprised if many people, given the way that's framed, would say, I really want taller buildings. Right, exactly. I think most people say really don't want taller buildings. But if we're talking about how to build more housing density and fill capability, if, if the question is framed in that context, building height might come to the top of the list. Yeah, I'd take an extra story across this area to get at 25% more density. And yeah, well, you choose, you know, setback or separation or height. Yeah. Or do you, yeah. Do you but, care more about? But to that idea, but what we're trying to get at, because if it's just character of the neighborhood, no, I don't want a taller building. No, I don't want that. But if what's an easier way, what are the best ways to maintain a character, but also allow for that? Would you be comfortable with? Would you accept another story? Would you agree that that's what question five kind of asks? Like, all right, if we got a one more housing, are you okay with height? It might kind of ask, but that's, that's the thing, right? It goes back to the way I was answering this question. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but like the way, I, the way I thought about those questions, I'm thinking about my neighborhood and what do I like about that neighborhood? What do I want to change in the neighborhood? Well, I don't want to change anything in the neighborhood. But if the question is, what could we change in this neighborhood that would be a part of this this larger goal that we have in our community, how as we develop and redevelop in our neighborhood, if these are our goals, what are some ways you could get at that? Well, we've got seven lots just down the street. We've been working with the developer in a specific way. If I think about it in that other context, I'm going to talk to the developer about some different things. Maybe not not exactly like the character of our neighborhood, but maybe something a little bit different. But maybe it'd be more open to. So if the question is, family. If the question is something like, if new residential development is in your hood, how how could it be accommodated? I mean, is that directly direct enough? Yeah, but again, if, if the if what we're really trying to get is more housing availability, not just more housing, but but density and infill. If it's just more housing, then then maybe you don't need to say that. But if it really is density, if it's really about um, greater capacity within the square you know, miles that we have inside of our city, I'm not sure we're going to get at that. Are you you're saying how, how new residential development can be accommodated in your neighborhood is not direct enough? I guess I'm missing what you think we should say that's how can new residential development be accommodated in your neighborhood? That seems pretty direct to me. Yeah. Maybe like on Tomahawk Ridge is filling out the lots, right? In East Lawrence, it's like, well, you could probably add some ADUs. In other spots, it's, you know, you could increase the occupancy. Okay. So the, the simple answer in my neighborhood would be, well, yeah, build, build five more houses like all the rest of them. And that would, that would get to it, yeah. right? It'd maintain the character of the neighborhood. I feel like, though, 
is missing the larger point. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. It could be as simple as that. I hear what you're saying. I just, I'm not sure how you can ask that question. Ian, what do you ask? And I go back to that the question about height, right? If we're if we're not really asking the height question question in a context, I'm not sure that we're going to get an answer. And I just I like it the way it is. What if we um, add a prompt to the question? And I think um, we said what if we added up. Parens that said height, setback, lot size, or housing structure type, um, and could explain, you know, duplex, triplex. So we get them thinking beyond five more houses, just like mine. It, the other place of this, though, is once we, you know, get the survey out and get the drafts going, we will get, we we will make some of these changes in the draft regulations, and then we'll ask for feedback to those specific changes. So sometimes it's challenging to ask people to conceive of what could be different because they don't do zoning all the time. Yeah. And when we put the draft out in front of them and we say, hey, we're recommending that you guys go up an entire story in this neighborhood, then we'll get the, yeah, we can live with it or over my dead body comment. So we, we will get a couple bites at this particular apple. I do think it would be really pretty helpful to do as you just described and provide a couple of examples because, yeah, like it was easy for me to just list like 10 things I would immediately change. Like but this would easily free up a lot of space and a lot of, a lot of land that's already technically built out. But I think, you know, if you've only ever lived in a single family suburban development, all you would probably conceive of is like, how do you add new houses? You buy a new farm, you bulldoze it, and you add exactly what my neighborhood looks like. Just do it again. Or you tear down my neighbor's building and you make it into an apartment building, 10 stories high, right? Like that's the unfounded fear of a lot of folks worried about change, right? So like those are kind of the only, you know, commonly thought of ways to add more housing, right? So these are more tricky ones that unless you know what places used to look like and how they used to build before zoning, it's hard to even conceive of that. Yeah, I think the problems are helpful, hide, setback, ADUs. No, I think those are... Yeah. Under housing types, I'd like to add townhouses yeah. to just single family duplex or multifamily. I think townhouses is a, a sort of different sort of thing. And multifamily just sounds a like different thing. Yeah. It suggests a different thing. Yeah, it suggests a different thing. And I think mm -hmm. townhouses are a more interesting thing to add. Marcy, do you mean like row homes? Yeah, row homes. Okay. okay. Or row houses. We could say row houses or townhouses. And then I want to know what neighborhood pools are. This is under landscaping. <laughs> we don't have it. I know we don't have neighborhood pools, but there it's in here. It says do larger lots, lawns, and neighborhood pools. We have lots of we have we have several neighborhoods that have a neighborhood pool. Yeah, out west that you have a neighborhood. You know, you enjoy pool. Well, so but I think okay, the neighborhood pool seems to be in the wrong place. It should be do larger lots, lawns define your neighborhood. Or informal get or or community parks and pools. I think the pools belong with the community park because it's kind of a shared resource rather than a individual resource. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying. I do think that makes more sense than lumping it in with larger lots. Because right, because I think the larger lot is sure, is it my yeah. individual space? I think what they're what they might be trying else. to get at is the character of a neighborhood that might have a shared pool also has right. large lots. Right. Yeah. So should I tell you how we're going to increase housing in East Lawrence? That I think come up with. 
We have a community garden, and I think it's possible to have the community garden along the alley. And um, so build a tenants to homeowners house on the lot that's the community garden, but have garden space, um, the same number of garden spaces along that alley. And I think it would be really fun to drive down there and see those gardens. In the afternoon sun? What? Just afternoon sun? <laughs> it's actually better sun because they built a big house next door, so we've lost. Already got, I know. <laughs> we lost the shade, so. Okay, what else am I missing? Uh, I do like the last one I thought, the runners of all ages draw you the, your favorite things about your home neighborhood. That's interesting. I want to see next year. Terrible. <laughs> Sticks and triangles. Um, I did have a, a, a few suggestions on, you know, I knew we talked a lot about either separating or consolidating some of these characteristics. I feel like proximity to parks and open space and landscaping and open space are almost close enough that you could probably combine them if you feel that we're getting too heavy on the characteristics. Um, you know, one's like, do you have it? Do you like it? And the other one is, can you get to it? Presumably, if it's in your neighborhood, you could probably get to it. There's, there's not a lot of gigantic neighborhoods. Pinkney is very large geographically, but still. Um, I also think building setback and separation are fairly close. Like when I was reading setback, I thought, what about like the rears and along the side? And then I read the next one. Oh, there it is. You know, side setbacks is building separation. So, um, I mean, it, it's like how we're building separated from each other and from the street. Also, because setback's kind of a kind of a zoning word. <laughs> what do you think about adding some different descriptors under seven? The flavor, vibe, and type of your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those seem fairly clinical, fairly academic descriptions. Well, okay, I guess I'm a suburban single family. Would you think a planner about those? Me? Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> when I think about when I think about the word flavor vibe you know the i wrote things i wrote down are like my neighborhood i'm in, I'm, I'm in a neighborhood my neighborhood's a neighborhood and i have neighbors um my neighborhood's complete my neighborhood's walkable my neighborhood's private my neighborhood's vibrant something uh uh draw them into some descriptions other than that or maybe not even from a data collection standpoint, I mean, what does that tell us if somebody calls their neighborhood vibrant or? Um, probably not much um, from the standpoint of how, and, and I would also move that farther forward in the survey, from the standpoint of how um, it might draw people in to think about the answers to the questions that they're asking. What do they like about it now? What do they, what would they like to see it be? I think it opens up the way people actually think about their neighborhood as opposed to a data collection exercise. Gary, how about, how about, yeah, Gary, how about if, if your neighborhood was a dog? 
I just use that in the staff survey. <laughs> I love it. You know, one would be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> one person describing their neighborhood as vibrant, somebody else would look at the same neighborhood as dull and dirt. It's mini Disneyland. No, and I, I, I suspect you're right, but I think I'll probably say that from just about any two people that might look at something and, and, and what how it reflects through their values. All I'm suggesting, I'm not locked in on those words. I just use them as examples of something that's not necessarily indexable, um, but it draws people into uh, more of a feeling about where they live and where they would like to be and what it might be. Well, I think if you, um, I hear what you're saying there. Again, I don't know how many questions we can ask, but I mean, I do think, Again, from a data point of view, to me, it'd be helpful to say, how do you describe your neighborhood and use these clinical definitions and what kind of neighborhood you, would you like to live in, in case that's different. But maybe you start out with, that's a whole lot different than flavor, viable, hype, and just leave that open-ended. Because that is a different question, I think. That's a different question. I think I could get people talking. When I, when I start with that, and then I start yeah. thinking about, well, what would I want different in my neighborhood, all of a sudden... Yeah, it, oh, it opens me up to some other things, and, it, and that takes me then back to this list of things, which, in my in my view, I said it earlier on. Some of this stuff, I think, is fairly restrictive. I'd like to see it opened up a little bit less, quarter mile, a little bit less. You know, my version of of proximity to services is different than someone else's. My version of building height might be, and the reasons for it might be different. I'd just like to see us open it up a little bit. I was going to say we can um, we can either look at moving the clinical list around. Um, we I don't think we were going to use that as much for data collection. I kind of like the idea of letting people come up with their own word, um, or I could just you know put this list out and add some other goods and bads to it. But um, you know it it was it's just to get a flavor. Um, so it might become a word cloud, or it might become something descriptive. Um, that we put in our report later. Um, some of the rest of this is where we're looking to go from a regulatory perspective. We might have the, you know, we might take the um, characterize your neighborhood in one of these categories and just use that as a checkbox at the end or something along those lines. But that's, they're not very vibey, I have to say. I agree with yeah. that. No, no vibe or flavor there. <laughs> no, no, no. Very vanilla. Okay. Anything else? Chris? Play around with the characteristics and qualities, and I think they could be, you know, maybe to me, the consistent architectural style should be right next to historic resources instead of sort of on a different page so that I'm kind of thinking through um, a set of things. Where, where would uh, a characteristic or quality like uh, just the feeling of safety and security fall into oh. any of these? I love that. Yeah. Not really addressed, but it seem like. So, I, so along the potential new ones, we have something to do with accessibility and mobility, um, a feeling of safety and security, maybe something on mixed use, um, changing, defining infrastructure to signature features, adding students to the demographic mix, looking at combining uh, landscaping and open space with proximity to parks or open space, 
um, and loosening up some of the um, specific walkability distance oriented things and adding alleys to location of garages or parking access. And notes. Not everybody has a garage. <laughs> True. This is location of garages. And or parking. And or, yeah. And or parking access. Um, okay, other thoughts, comments? What do you think, Elizabeth, the, the, the timing of this? Like, when do you want to get out in the process? And when do you think having it complete? Is, is so a lot of the, um, the questions in this are relevant to our second um, drafting module. Um, so the reason we asked you guys to look at it now is so we can go back and clean it up and get it up fairly quickly. So we'll, we are all working on module one. We can give the community a month to six weeks. Um, if you think that's enough time, that was one of the questions we wanted to ask you to take this out and work on it. And then um, as we get closer to where we want to be in the um, in the module two development standards, you know, um, midsummer we can work this information back into it. So, in your experience in the past, what is a what's a good amount of time to leave something like this open? Well, I mean, I think um, how long do we do do for the strategic plan, Jeff? You remember? I think it was. I think it's four to six weeks off the top of my head. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think six would be a lot if you know once we're ready to launch it and launch it hard. Um, you know, that being said, I think if it trickles in after you're working on it, you know, it can still influence maybe what we're thinking about. But yeah, I think six weeks would be plenty. I mean, um, summer's not going to be a good time for students or to get any input. No, I mean, just be, be open to extend it when you get the public outcry. We're just finding out about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so for students, um, I mean, after, with with you guys' input, I'm hoping that we could get this in shape in a couple of weeks and get it up and out. So we could catch them before finals, but probably they're not going to be so focused on doing planning surveys for right. us. Um, <laughs> so let's let's get it up and going and then talk about how we want to bring them in. It's I, I agree. We, we'll, we'll put an end date on it, um, but that doesn't mean we can't. Um, reopen it at like a student oriented version of it and you know um, reach out to both schools and say hey do you guys have any classes that want to work on this um, so it, it's information that we can refine as we go we're you know we're not done until we get to um, a month before adoption so we give everyone a time to read it um, and then you know um, it still should be a living document. So we'll have some time across the summer and into the fall to make sure that we've given everyone an opportunity to say their bit. And, and we'll just also give them time to get it out to uh, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools that want to participate because we've had a lot of participation in the downtown plan and with some other work. So this gives them an opportunity for them to chime in too. Sounds good. Yeah. To Jim's point, once you release um, Section two, people will be wanting to take the survey saying, no, exactly. come from? I mean, I'm just using the example of, you know, updating the county wind <laughs> energy code. And, and it's, it's amazing how many people say, after it's been going on for two years, 
there are people that still don't know about it. You have to give us more time, but which we are. But uh, yeah, so we wanted to push this along because I want we want this to <laughs> neighborhood plan. Yeah. How many years, and then suddenly the first meeting comes to the city commission. We never knew about it. I knew. <laughs> yes. Yeah. From experience. Okay. If there's no more comments, Elizabeth, anything else you need from us? I Sorry? think in good shape. I really appreciate you guys taking your time to work through this and give us the feedback. We'll go ahead and get it cleaned up and going. Um, we'll get the draft finished up and over to staff, and we will see you in late April, and we'll start um, working through districts and uses. Um, one of our conversations at the beginning of our next meeting, and you'll have the draft before the meeting, is how do we want to proceed through this? Um, so I don't feel like we're going to rush you. Um, we want to ask the committee what their preference is. Um, I expect it to be probably about 125 to 150 pages worth of zoning code, but it'll be the groovy stuff with pictures in it. Um, so just just know that we're not going to come in, um, slam it down and say we're going through it right now. We're going to have a discussion about how we'll do this as a group. Perfect. Okay. Anything else for the good of the order? Appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks, Thanks Okay, so Thank Brad, you. I have something for the good of the order that's not land.